two summers ago, I got to spend a month working at Massachusetts Historical Society doing some research. I rented an Airbnb room and shared the house with two medical students from Krakow, Poland, who were doing an internship in Boston. One of them was Sebastian Gonsersch, who was the subject of the final interview of season one of Bob's Just Asking. I wanted to chat with Sebastian to learn about the government and politics of Poland, and especially to focus on his area of interest, public health. There was a little bit of noise on his line, but I think his point of view and experience is worth a minor audio inconvenience. A quick announcement before we start the interview. Season 2 of Bob's Just Asking will kick off in just two weeks with a new bi-weekly schedule. I will be interviewing fellow social studies teacher, podcaster, and friend Daniel Lazar. If you're looking for something great to listen to, check out his podcast about working, inspired by Studs Terkel. Studs, which is the name of the podcast, can be found on every podcast platform. Daniel's thoughtful interviews and interesting subject matter are well worth your time. And now, my interview with Sebastian Gonsersch. Sebastian, welcome to Bob's Just Asking. Hi, thanks for having me. Now, my no- my knowledge of Polish history pretty much ends with the ascension of Lech Walesa. Can you talk a little bit about what changes occurred to the Polish political system in the late 80s and 90s? Yeah, so uh, it's not really my area of expertise because I'm quite young and I wasn't around for much of the decades, as you say, but they were really crucial for the Polish history and the Polish political system because we uh, went through a drastic transformation of the political system from a one party or kind of one party system from the, um, we would say the communist episode in our history to a really democratic one, but it came at a cost of various groups uh, politically fighting with each other to, to get dominance. And it's kind of like socially speaking, uh, pushed us towards um, a more free market economy and a more um, conservative society that we have right now, like culturally speaking, which left out many, many social groups outside of the general circle. We have an increase of poverty since that time and also, but at the same time, our economic strength rose. So we have this kind of situation with a really of an upper class developing developing inside of the Polish economic system. Now, I did just a little bit of research in preparation for the interview. And uh, as I understand it, that in the 90s, there were some changes to the Constitution, which led to sort of a, a, well, a form of government that is mixed presidential parliamentary. Um, You have a two house legislature and a prime minister, but also a president. And quite similar to the United States, your lower house, the same, is 460 members. We have 435. And the upper house is 100, also called the Senate. Now, before we get into any specific politics, can you tell me about uh, what the election process is like for the president and the members of the legislature? Okay, so like... uh... The thing about the presidential parliamentary form of government is that on paper it is, but the president is really weak, like he doesn't have a lot of power. 
he is elected for a five-year uh, term and a cand candidate has to have over 50% of the vote to get elected. And if none of the candidates in the first round has that 50% uh, of the votes, then it is passed to the next round where there are only two candidates and the one with the bigger part of the votes wins. And the president is really a representative function uh, representative function, but he also has some has some ability to write laws which need to be accepted by the same in the Senate, and uh, he also uh, like um, writes down his name. He signs the documents, so he has kind of a veto over some of the things in the Senate. Uh, then, after the president's veto, the um, the legislature goes back to the Senate, and then it needs to be passed again. So that's the whole of the stuff that he does. It's not a lot. And regarding the other two bodies, uh, we also have a weird, uh, like, regarding political systems in the world, we have a really weak Senate, uh, because the only thing that the Senate can do, it can do is add some stuff and change some stuff to the legislative documents presented and voted by the same, and either accept them, and it's the shorter uh, road for the documents to go, or deny them and uh, then they go back to the same to be reviewed again. And both and same and Senate representatives are, uh, are voted for in one election and not in two. And uh, we follow the DeHaunt rule of voting, so it favors the bigger party, the bigger parties. Let's talk about the parties then. Um, I know there are two major parties, uh, Law and Justice and Civic Platform, but there are something like 17 other parties that have representatives in the same or the Senate. Law and Justice is the dominant party in the same and has a narrow plurality in the Senate. Would you characterize them as right wing? And what would that even mean in Poland in 2021? So uh, to start, uh, yes, we have like uh, two bigger parties, but uh, most of the parties that are in the same or in the Senate are in coalitions. So like in 2019, the, that's, then we had the last election to the parliament, uh, five coalitions uh, were elected into the same. So it was Levica or the left, uh, law and justice, um, uh, civic platform, uh, PSL, which is like a old uh, party agricultural with uh, with farmers' interests and so and so. It's it's kind of small. And the last is uh, really really right wing uh, confederation, like confederacy, uh, you could say. Among these coalitions, there are smaller parties. Uh, some of them don't even have representatives in the parliament. So it's a really big picture. So, for example, in the Law and Justice Party, we have three parties, and the most one is the the same. It has the same name. It's Law and Justice, but there are two smaller with like ten or eight representatives, and those few representatives allow allow the uh, Law and Justice Party to have uh, the majority in the same. So this is the political system that we have. And uh, to be honest, I, I would argue from, a, uh, from my point of view, which is uh, 
progressive and uh, on the left of the political spectrum. And for me, uh, law and justice is a right-wing party, um, especially regarding the worldview. They are really conservative. They are anti-immigration, anti-gay rights, uh, pro-church, uh, anti-abortion, and so and so and so. So I would categorize them as the as right-wing, but also the main counterpart to them, the civic platform. It's also like, in regards to the Polish political spectrum, they are center. But in regards to the European political spectrum, I would say that they are center right, mm -hmm. uh, like worldview speaking, but also they are a coalition. And the main part of the coalition is conservative, but a little bit liberal in kind of economic worldview with a pull towards the free market. But they have also a smaller parties in, in their coalition, which are more progressive and more left wing or uh, even one small libertarian party inside of them. Is the um, political activity in Poland, does it differ regionally? Like uh, you're in Krakow and um, is there like, is, is that one of the centers of political activity or Warsaw or where, where does, I mean, does it happen all over or is it centered in particular places? I would argue that it's, uh, it's centered around big cities mm -hmm. and we have like a clear divide between the the west and the east of the country, the east being more conservative and the west being more progressive. And so like uh, being um, a progressive, for, for example, gay rights activist in the east-south uh, part of the country can even be a bit dangerous because you don't really know what will happen once you go out in the streets with an LGBT flag in your hands or something like that. So, uh, yep. Is that is that uh, east-west divide? Do you think that's a, a leftover from from the Soviet Union's influence? Uh, yes, and even before that, we had a part of our history when Poland was not on the maps. It was divided between Austria-Hungary. Uh, the German Empire and the Russian Empire. And once you look at the maps, the, the political ideologies match up with the, uh, the parts under the Russian occupation. In, uh, in the United States, um, we have a lot more um, institutional barriers for minor or third party uh, candidates getting elected. Uh, but you've already talked a bit about, you know, all of the minor parties that are within coalitions, and then even the ones that are on the, on their own um, in the same. Um, I often talk with my students, my government students, about the pros and cons of a multi-party democracy. And I know you have some huge issues with uh, go uh, government in Poland right now, uh, which we're going to get to, but I'm curious about what you think, um, what do you think it's a, a weakness or a strength of, of your political system that there are so many parties? I would argue that um, the system as an idea of having many political parties, for me personally, is a positive because it, it allows for uh, a, a greater plurality of ideas inside the chamber. It allows for uh, marginalized groups to get into the decision-making decision table. It's uh, allows for many issues to be 
brought up because not only a few are you know pushed by the media and pushed by the uh, bigger political parties and so you can uh, pursue other avenues on of gaining political um, recognition as a party uh, we have some like barriers for the smaller parties because to get to the same as a party you need to have at least five percent of the votes and if not you are disqualified uh, and as a coalition, you need to have 8%. So there is a barrier. And if smaller parties want to get to the decision-making table, as I would say, uh, they need to get into a coalition with a bigger one. But it's, you know, the, the bigger parties need to have some concessions to the smaller parties because they depend on them also. So it's like it stretches the, uh, the topics that are argued. And one thing that uh, I need to add that there we have a special rule for uh, minorities. We have a quite strong uh, German minority and they organize themselves and they have candidates from the German minority, which, do, which don't need to have the 5% uh, threshold to get in the same. So we have one uh, representative from the JMR minority who is not from any political party or coalition or nothing. Uh, and it's a neat thing because they have then a voice in the parliament, which I think is good. Uh, nowadays, the system is broken because we have a party which has over 50% of the uh, representative in the same. So they don't need to concede any uh, anything to the other parties, to the other parties on the political spectrum and they rule alone and they kind of narrow the focus and they can uh, make decisions to allow them to retain their power more, which is undemocratic. So the system is good until it works, but it stopped working once the current political party won such a big majority in the same. It's interesting because we, you know, in the United States, there really is a two-party system, and the 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 extra parties are are really limited in in what they can accomplish. And um, you know, the I, what you just said about um, you know the Law and Justice Party having uh, the majority and being able to more or less uh, dictate how things go. What weirdly does seem to happen, at least at times in the United States, is that the party that is in power always goes too far and and then and then there's a there's a you know, there, there's a correction unfortunately the correction is is binary it's just you know, it's it's republican democrat democrat republican and and one could easily argue just as you did before that your your major opposition party is kind of centrist and isn't really that much different in 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 certain respects yeah, that, that's the problem. I think that they don't have the ability to adapt because it's. We had something like a two-party system. I I wouldn't say it was a two-party system, but Law and Justice and Civic Platform were the the biggest parties, so they always both won the majority of the seats, and they were one or the other with some in betweeners. But now I would argue that especially the younger population is. Uh, fed up with that too because once you step back the the i would argue the the center part of those both parties are really similar so young people do not see in those two parties a future for them so 
um, what happens that people uh, are gathered to the political extremes. We have this party called the Confederacy, which is far right, uh, and it's a weird mix because we're between some uh, nationalistic groups, some paleo-libertarian groups, which is a political ideology of people who believe strongly in laissez-faire economics and free market totally, and uh, couple that with conservative views. So they are, for me, as a young person, uh, they are really dangerous, but they gather a lot of support from especially uh, men my age, uh, which is... I would say typical for these kind of parties around the world. And there, I would argue that they are really, really dangerous for me, but uh, for some right-wing people and people who want to have a more free market economy, uh, they are an alternative to the law and party, the law and order uh, party. And on the other hand, we have a maltsum of, uh, I would say, more left-leaning parties or more liberal parties because um, as i are in, as i understand in in the united states uh, the left and liberal are kind of sometimes used in exchange or mean a bit the same thing but in europe and in, in poland they're like two different things because liberal uh, means people that believe in liberalism and in a free market and a free market of ideas and left wings are people who are uh, are focused on equality and equality of uh, economic and cultural equality and so on and so. Uh, so we have a liberal wing of the Law and Justice Party. Uh, no, 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 no Law and Justice, but the Civic Platform, a liberal wing of the uh, Civic Platform Party. We have a new centrist party, uh, kind of, liberal as well, which is called Poland's uh, 2050 as the year 2050, because they brand themselves as a party who is going to change the our country for the better. But this is a long process, which will come in a lot of steps. And they are centered around a, a TV personality who um, competed in the um, uh, in the last presidential election and was the third candidate that with the third biggest uh, vote. And uh, I think that for the centrist people, he is a better alternative than law and justice and uh, and civic platform. We also have this uh, PSL party, which is agrarian, and they are on the downhill. They they dropped on uh, on the on the last uh, polls, they drop uh, under 5%. So they won't be probably in the next uh, parliament if they don't do something. And we have the left, which is uh, uh, really a mashup of, of social democratic uh, people, uh, socialists and uh, liberals that claim that they are social democratic people because it's better for them than to compete uh, with all the other liberal and centrists, it's better to brand yourself as a leftist. I did read that uh, there were recent protests um, last month after a Polish court ruling called into question the supremacy of European Union rules in Poland. So that really brings me to the question that this is completely foreign to me, 
um, you know, living in a country that's not part of a larger, uh, you know, continent that works together in some ways. Can you talk about the role that the European Union plays in in politics of Poland? Sure. Like I, as a young person and a student, I like the European Union. I think it's a great idea to bring the nations of Europe to a greater cooperation and uh, trade cooperation that it also allows for students to migrate and work and study in different countries. So it's for me, it's great. And also, historically speaking, we benefited a lot uh, economically from being part of the European Union. But uh, it also comes with some um, laws which uh, govern democratic rule among the countries that are the, the, they're the members in the European Union. And because of those pushes from the Law and Justice Party to uh, retain their power and change some stuff like appointed judges uh, without uh, due process to that or other stuff and appointed all people to the um, body that is on the, I would say, on the guard of the constitution and they interpret the constitution if there is any problem. So, uh, you know, there is some legislature in the same, then it's somebody questions if it's in order with the constitution and that entity checks if it's good, but it's stuffed with the law and justice party people. So it's against European Union laws. So uh, it's a really sticky situation for the ruling party because they are both, um, they both want to have the money from the European Union and the power that comes from it and wants to rule on, the, on, on their own. So it's like a, a quirky balance. And also like the, uh, the support for, the, for being in the European Union is in Poland really, really high. It's one of the most uh, agreed things in our country, which is rare. And because of that, uh, this topic is used by the opposition parties every time when uh, it looks like the Law and Justice Party is pushing against uh, the European Union. So it's like a weird thing that the that the European that the ruling party is like somewhat opposed to the European Union, but not so much. And whenever they are appear to be more opposed, the opposition jumps in and starts to showing, look, they want to take us out of the European Union. So like for me, it's it's just, you know, uh, for my parents, for example, the 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 danger of being brought out of the European Union by the Law and Justice Party is real. For them, it's real. It could happen. But for me, it's just a tool for political bargaining, political uh, push, pushing of power and gaining support and so and so. Because of the protest, the current uh, opposition's party, the uh, the civic platform, uh, who which was on the dropping in the polls for the few months prior because they didn't have any idea for their own party and they are for me a, a dying party and now started to jump up on the polls because they use this topic to ramp up support for them to sum up i'm against leaving the european union and i'm against uh, the all the stuff that uh, law and justice party does 
but I don't think that they will bring us out of the European Union. But the opposition party used that to gather support, and it's successful. I, I thought that was really interesting, you talking about the difference between you know your perspective and, and your parents. Um, like, I, I gather, if, I, if I'm understanding you correctly, that you know you... You see this as political posturing that it's uh, you know it's more or less trying that it's used by the by the opposition to the Law and Justice Party as a political tool, uh, but it's not really likely to happen. But whereas your you, you know again your your parents might might uh, have more persp- their perspective. I'm I'm wondering if it comes from the idea that they've seen so much change in Poland in their lifetimes that. Maybe they think you're naive that, uh, you know, that 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 this is just, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just the Law and Justice Party saying something to please their, you know, that but they have more of the the concern about, well, things do change overnight in this country or have. Yes. And also they remember the time when Poland was not in the European Union because it was in 2004 when we joined. And I do not remember that because I was a seven year old boy. So. uh yeah, we have a different perspective, and I'm not saying that I'm right, uh, in because you know they have more um, more experience. But for me, as I'm looking at the political spectrum from my side, I I see a lot of tools and a lot of like um, yeah, I, I see a lot of that in the current situation, a lot of feints, a lot of. Uh, people who use some movements and some ideas and some, you know, things that people are afraid of to gather support and seem strong, but they rarely act upon it. And and, and I, by the way, I I didn't mean to suggest that that one <laughs> that your parents were right or that you were right because I obviously have no idea. I have no perspective. I just wonder. I just I'm trying to imagine the conversation of you know you having a debate or discussion with your parents about it and. Maybe them rolling their eyes and saying, oh, yeah, yeah, it, it happens that way. And uh, it's like, I, I get them. Uh, I, I wanted to say that I get their perspective and I could be wrong and I could not have all the information. But uh, so I'm not like discrediting their point of view again. I'll, I'll interview them next time and we'll see what they have to say. But <laughs> so uh, I know immigration has become a significant issue in Poland. Can you talk a bit about that? Yeah, so uh, European Union as a whole is experiencing a refugee crisis for a long time because in the Middle East we have a lot of wars and instability and terrorist attacks and so on and so. So many people from the Middle East are trying to uh, go to Europe. And uh, after the USA, um, after the Taliban takeover, after the US departed from Afghanistan, uh, a lot of refugees from that part of the world started coming to Europe, and some of them wanted to come through um, through uh, Belarus to Poland. Uh, the Belarus is the last truly authoritarian state in Europe, like authoritarian, authoritarian. It's like it has a dictator through and through, and uh, they wanted to come here through Belarus. And the thing is that uh, uh, Polish people are really, they are afraid of migrants. So again, it's a great topic to use to gather political support. And uh, Law and Justice Party, as a conservative party, uh, 
used pushbacks again pushbacks against those migrants on the Belarusian border and uh, told the public through their uh, because law and justice also call, controls a lot of medias uh, like they stuffed medias with their people again so they have a propaganda tube to put their ideas into people's minds and they told that it's a hybrid war which this this phrase became a bit of a meme because come on uh, yes that it's this is a hybrid war from Lukashenko the dictator of Belarus to destabilize Poland and also I think that Lukashenko has a uh, a thing about pushing those migrants to the Polish border but I don't think that it's kind of a grand scheme or a grand uh, conspiracy to destabilize Poland through 50 people staying at the border in the winter. Uh, yeah, and on the other on this other side, we have the opposition. So the I would say the liberal and the left wing of the civic platform and other uh, left wing and liberal uh, opposition party, which is which are horrified because people are dying on the border and there are children and there are pregnant women and there are ill people and it's not that even even not that that uh, they cannot come to poland uh, because a lot of people understand that there are you know uh, legislative processes to go through but they are refused water medical care uh, food and this is the horrible stuff in my opinion i think that they should be just let in because, in my opinion, every person in the world uh, has uh, the right to protect him and his family from war and starvation and political instability uh, for me. But, you know, it's one thing to want to for refugees to go through legislative processes to come to a country. And it's a totally different thing to don't do not give them water, food or medical care. And I am opposed to that, like, on a really, really personal level. And so there are many groups organized to go there. And also many people who go there to make some photos of themselves to gather political support. So, you know, again, it's a political tool as everything. But it's a successful political tool for the Law and Justice Party because their polls are climbing up after that. Because they last time they... Uh, won the elections after the migrant crisis uh, a few years ago when they also were scaremongering about the migrants, the Muslims and all of that and they jumped up in the polls. Now it's to a lesser degree happening the same and they even offered like I don't know, uh, a half a million zlotys to build a wall and I think as a USA citizen you exactly know how this will go Uh you know, walls don't stop people, like in general. So, and, and it's stupid for a human from a humanitarian. It's, it's stupid and disgusting from a humanitarian standpoint. And it's also stupid from an economic standpoint because it's not like we have an excess of money to you know throw at stupid projects and and so and so. It, yeah, I'm just uh, I see that they must have thought that half a million zlotys is enough for a propaganda project because they saw the success of their Skangborgo Green campaign. So again, I see it as a political tool. Now, 
so I, I do understand that Poland is is actually one of the most Roman Catholic countries in the world. Um, and you've talked, you you made re- reference already earlier in the interview to uh, positions, uh, social positions on abortion and gay rights and so forth. Does that is that largely informed by religion? Does the does the Law and Order Party, for example, uh, wrap themselves in in religion in some of their rhetoric? Yes, a lot, a lot. And uh, the thing is that some of the um, they have like a symbiosis with the most of the church in Poland because uh, they help some religious groups financially, and on the other hand, those religious groups uh, help them in rhetoric and so and so. Like uh, a few, I think. One week ago, in our parliament, there was a debate on a citizen project to ban uh, pride parades in Poland. And some of those uh, signatures were gathered up in churches. Yeah, it's strong. And also we have a we have a we had a great scandal of pedophilia in the church in Poland, as other countries in Europe. had and other countries around the world had but uh even though the thing was covered like by the media pretty well there was one movie that got 40 million views on youtube that just showed all of that to remind there are 40 million poles in poland so that to, to just show the 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 amount of people that the amount of interest that the movie showed and it changed exactly nothing the the law and justice party doesn't want to prosecute the the priests that cover that, that, that covered up pedophilia or did um, those horrendous acts throughout the years and nothing happening nothing's happening so uh, and like for me, it's uh, on 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 a significant level. It's 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 bad because uh, I want to become uh, a doctor that specializes in sexual health, and uh, and from the from a psychiatric point of view, and uh, for me this is horrible because if you don't talk about the problem and if you don't show publicly. A problem you cannot help those people because how are you supposed to find them and give them the care they need so it's horrible so the people who private people who get private care are basically people with money who are paying for for like prime prime the best doc, you know the best doctors and and as a consequence you're you're losing more and more people i know that you you know you already mentioned that there's a a shortage of healthcare professionals, um, and, and I know that a large part of that. I read an interview that you did, um, you know, has to do with just the stress that uh, people in the medical profession are facing. Can you talk a bit about that? Yeah, like uh, doctors in Poland, uh, statistically speaking, work uh, fifty-four hours a week. Let that sink in. So, uh, and it's not, you know typical work uh, with all the respect due to all the other people who work a lot but in the medical profession you need to work with 
constant stress of a possibility of making mistake of a possibility of percy a patient worsening without your mistake or without your uh your fault the patient can die and you constantly have contact with people suffering and so and so and so and so so it's a really stressful job and for me once a country has a um such a valuable resource as medical staff in Poland, you should invest in them and make their job as as good as it's possibly as good as it possible. But uh, in our country, it's not the case, and we can see that reflected in the amount of um, the how long medical staff lives in Poland, because. For example, uh, the the mm, survival age, statistically speaking, of women in Poland is 81 years old, but for nurses is 61. They live 20 years less. And for doctors, it's 68 for anesthesiologists and so and so and so. It's just dropped because they work a stressful job. They don't have psychological help offered and it's just it's just bad and the other thing is that we also have a really old medical population like for example the uh, the mean age of nurses is 53 the mean age of uh, of surgeons is 60 so in, in the public healthcare because they the young people don't want to work in such conditions. So what you, you mentioned that, you know, you think the government should be investing more in improving their conditions. You mentioned uh, uh, mental health uh, issues. What else, what, what would the investment be? What, what are the, you know, or for lack of a better word, what are the demands of your political movement? Uh, what, what do they need to do to, to help make this better? I believe that uh, like, the thing is, the system was neglected for the past 30 years. To reform that, to make it work, it's a really hard process. And again, a process which doesn't give you a lot of um, political, you know, uh, power. The people, it's not a really, you know, big uh, topic that people will guard around, even they should, even though they should. And those demands that we have are to increase the payment for medical stuff, all medical stuff across the board uh, by a lot, I would argue, because there are situations in which um, like nurses, uh, physiotherapists, um, young doctors and a lot of other medical staff without uh, older doctors all have a minimal pay under the mean pay in Poland. I don't know if I said that correctly, but uh, they- Like a, oh, the, a low, you know, minimum wage or- Yes, I mean, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, they have, the, their minimum wage is lower than the medium wage in our country. So we don't really care about them. And the thing is that in, in the public healthcare, uh, a lot of procedures, the public healthcare works like that. There is a procedure, then the 
government body that it's called uh, NFZ. It's supposed to have a um, fixed payment for that procedure, which is then given to the hospital. And from that payment, the hospital needs to cover up um, all the bills, the equipment, the wage for the staff, and so and so and so. And um, the thing is that all of the um, medical procedures are uh, are uh, are counted too little. There's an example that, for example, like uh, uh, a checkup of with a psychiatrist is for an hour. You get uh, the the hospital gets four dollars. That's uh, not really covering very much, huh? No. <laughs> And uh, and so and and such the, the the specializations of medicine which are hit the most which are which uh, have like really bad rates like psychiatry or uh, or stomatology uh, are pushed to the private sector by the fact that it's not you you cannot uh, sustain the the hospital throughout those procedures. There are some which are covered better, and I'm sure that there were some machinations when it was uh, decided why those ones are are, are better uh, provided. And you know, we need to, across the board, to just get the costs up because uh, less and less uh, things will be covered by uh, the public health care because they will be pushed to the private one. So can you tell me about the the protests that you've organized? Yeah, so like the medical um, community was fed up because nobody listens to us and we just had a pandemic which hit us like really bad. We have uh, like there is this number uh, that it consists of um, how many of the deaths that happen in one year were excess uh, compared to the deaths from the last five years and we have this number in poland was the second highest in europe so like i don't remember now the the, the statistic but it was like like, like i don't know seventy thousand people perished excessively they during the pandemic and the medics that work during the pandemic, which are understaffed and underpaid, are just tired and they are fed up with all of that. And because of that, there was like a push towards change for the better, because now we have we have started the fourth uh, wave of the pandemic in Poland with uh, 15,000 cases a day. And we have doctors that work 54 hours a week for a fraction of the pay, like doctors in Poland, um, specialists uh, can earn like minimum wage of, I don't know, thousand, uh, thousand and five hundred dollars a week, a month, I'm sorry, a month. So it's not really much for a specialist. Um, and nurses are under thousand, under a thousand dollars, or about a thousand dollars a 
a month. And for this money, you need to work, for example, for a nurse, you have 20 beds that you need to cover on your shift, 20 patients. And you get something like a thousand dollars or under that. So what, what, what protests, like how, specifically, what did you do in your protests? Uh, we have a great, we had a great manifestations uh, where around 40,000 people went through the streets of the capital and uh, we manifested our, our anger. And then we built up a, a city like from tents and so-and-so in the middle of Warsaw, where for the past two and a half months, we um, uh, under the the building in which the the presidential the the, the prime minister resides. We had a, the city where we every day we had lectures and we talked about the problems of the health system. We offered free uh, free uh, checkups and so and so. So we wanted to show how we would like the system to look like more and more. But it's, the problem is that it's starting to get cold and we cannot maintain this little city. And the prime minister didn't talk to us once. So, uh, yeah. You have to find, you have to find some way to declare victory yeah. and pack up the tents. I mean, I'm serious. Like we, I have a, a, a small version of this when I was at Rutgers where we took over a building and we were there for 10 days and eventually it was like, okay, we're, we're not getting anywhere. Nothing's going to happen. And the semester was ending. So it was like, uh, uh, I think we need to figure out a way to get out. And uh, we've made our point and on to the next thing. And, yeah. uh, and we but, have an idea, but it's, it's, uh, it's a secret. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and my podcast gets very full, has a huge amount of reach. Yeah. Members of the Polish government are certainly listening in on this. Well, now that they know you're being interviewed. Yes. Um, now, what uh, when you were in the United States, you were you spent a, you spent a month or, or more in, in Boston um, doing like an internship for a med- medical internship. What what it was your what was your impression of what you learned of the American medical system versus Poland? Like for the medical stuff, it's great. It's great because for the medical stuff, you, uh, as a doctor, you don't need to do a lot of non-doctor stuff. Like in Poland, uh, for a typical visit, uh, 80% time is spent on paperwork for the doctor, you know? It's not like arrogance, but... uh, it could be done by somebody who isn't supposed to cure people, like a, a, a person whose job is it to maintain the documentation. And in uh, America, it was the case. You had like medical secretaries and and so and so. So also the nurses don't need to do non-medical things. And it was great. The organization, the hierarchy and... Uh, the time efficiency of all of that was just superb, but it's still a problem for me uh, that it's a healthcare that it's only for those who can afford it. And uh, like I, I, I interviewed a patient uh, that was in a car crash, and after it she ordered a taxi, not to pay for the uh, ambulance. And for me, coming from a country 
in which the ambulances are free for the patients is horrible because you don't have uh, one once you get hit by a car the money shouldn't be important the important thing is should be to save your life and the thing that i think that politicians and people all around the world don't get is for the for the most part medical health is an economic investment in the citizen once you help a once you invest into helping a citizen, he can go on, live a healthy life, work, have a family, and so and so and so, educate other people. He is effective in the system. But once you leave him be, he gathers up uh, illnesses, others' illnesses, he can become an invalid, or how do you say that? He can become, you know, uh, bedridden or some or, or needs to use a wheelchair or something like that and he cannot work he cannot live his life to the fullest because the system didn't care for him and we have we have i mean i couldn't agree with you more and you know we could trace this back to a, a number of years ago when we had an opportunity to implement uh, a single payer healthcare system, which is basically meaning that everybody is in the same system, a public a public healthcare system, and the liberals of the Democratic Party were the ones who ultimately were the reason why that didn't happen. The the, the public system is costly. You need to have a lot of taxes, and rich people don't like taxes. So uh, so uh, it's the problem, and uh, I I think that without high taxes for the rich, you cannot really have an efficient uh, public health system, in my opinion. And even though in if our protests were, were successful and I would become in, I don't know, 15 years time, a person who earns quite a bit of money, I would still think that, that you don't, you cannot have an efficient system without that. But still, it's an investment. Because uh, there is a statistic from the United States, even, that for one dollar that you spend on uh, psychiatric and psychological help, the system earns four in the next 10 years. You need to wait a bit, but this person who you helped uh, can get help for, for his psychiatric and psychological stuff and live a more happy and efficient life with better performance in his job, better performance as a parent and and lesser crime rates and so and so. And the statistic is more um, like interesting once you uh, one day once they did a study on uh, targeting, when you target specific specific groups like people with uh, families of abuse or alcoholics or people who are poorer and then the statistic jumped from one dollar uh, the system earns 20. it's stupid but uh you know political terms don't last 10 years <laughs> so you cannot get uh, political capital out of implementing such a system uh, I, the one thing that i would add that uh, the about the shortage of medical professionals uh, for the European Union, the statistic is that for every uh, 1,000 people, uh, we have um, 8.1 nurses. 
in the European Union, but in Poland is 5.4. So you can see, and again, they are statistically 54, 53 years old. And they only live to 61, so you got eight more years on average. Yes, 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 yes. And nobody seems to get the urgency of the problem. And with doctors, is the statistic is uh, in the European Union is three doctors per 1,000 people, and in Poland is 2.4. So it's better than the nurses, but it's still bad. And we shouldn't aspire to the statistic, but to reach above it, because we have, like, educationally speaking, we uh, we have one of the best educated nurses and doctors and emergency services. We have the best emergency services. Uh, we have the best educated paramedics in whole of Europe. And they have like the biggest um, amount of um, uh, procedures that they can perform. But still they can earn something like 15 zlotys uh, per hour. So it's horrible. And there is like, a, you know, there is a place to work here because we have greatly educated doctors, greatly educated nurses and greatly educated paramedics, especially in paramedics. But we need to invest in them and not let them run out to different countries, which I, I don't think that any of the politicians really sees that. Uh are marches and demonstrations something that are part of the culture in Poland, or are they just increasing as Poland's problems increase? I would say that it's a really interesting question because now we are like in the middle of this culture of protests and demonstrations uh, beginning to develop in the, especially in the younger populations. Like in the history of Poland, if you would go back to the war, even mainly protests were regarding uh, economic problems and centered around them. But in the last few years, uh, the culture of protesting and manifesting your uh, political and um, worldviews is growing. And you can start, you can, you, in the last five years, you can see how many like uh, LGBT support groups started, some anti-clerical or anti-church groups which are manifesting, some um, worker rights groups, some uh, migrant rights groups. The big uh, last year we had like massive protests in Poland regarding abortion law, which was uh, restricted, and um, and you couldn't do an abortion once uh, under this new law. You cannot have an abortion. Uh, even when, uh, even when your uh, your your child, now this you can have, but I will go back to that. Uh, you cannot, you you cannot, you cannot have uh, an abortion once, um, once the fetus is, uh, for example, has a Down syndrome or uh, or is defected in some way, uh, and the thing is that. At first, a lot of people wanted to the, the, for the abortion laws to go to the other way, to more liberalization of that. But the other thing is that uh, from the medical point of view, uh, 
now you not only need to worry about the patient, but also for the law. And just a few um, days ago, we have a we had a problem with where the uh, where there was a pregnant mother, uh, which and her life was in danger, and the doctors didn't terminate the pregnancy, and the woman died. And it's like a massive outrage now it's happening with a lot of groups arguing some say that this is the doctor's fault some say that is the fault of the system and the the pressure of the system on the doctors to not terminate the pregnancies and but it really shows that it's it's a, a really bad time for that and because of that we had like massive protests uh, when this whole affair started with the change of the legislation uh, one year ago, when tens of thousands of people went out on the streets and uh, it was like a start. I, I, I went on my once of my very first protest and, and I just felt the power of all those people walking around and shouting and it was like incredible. And then my journey with the activism started because it was just like people on the streets have this power uh, in them to to show themselves because the, the the government cannot can not listen can ignore it or something like that if they choose so they have the power but once you go on the streets you are not just one person with an idea you are thousands of people who share that idea and it's really powerful and it makes you feel strength in numbers well thank you sebastian you've made uh Thank you for first of all for going into the medical profession and for uh, the work that you're doing on behalf of your country, trying to make a difference, and also for helping me understand a little and my listeners understand a little bit about what you're going through. Uh, so once again, thank you for your time. Greatly appreciate it.